Good morning, brothers and sisters. How are you this morning? <laughs> I actually planted those guys in the audience to do that. That's the beginning of hallelujah. And that's what we're here to do is to praise the Lord today. And I just actually like to welcome you guys in the venue and you guys in a cafe and you people online and welcome you to the 2018 REACH Conference. And uh, man, I'm excited about it. And I'm mo mostly excited just because of the concept and the title of it, which is Engage. When you were shaking each other's hands, that's my vision of Engage, person to person, face to face. And uh, our, our desire, our prayer that this next couple of weeks, including this morning, that God will ignite something in your heart to cause you to engage, but not just to engage in a, a handshake and a hello, but to share with what Jesus is doing in your life with somebody else. And so we're really excited about that. And because of that, we, get, we brought in a special guest this morning to kick off our REACH conference. And he's not just a special guest, he's a special family member. He was part of our family back here in the 80s, part of our church, one of our pastors. He actually went out from this church and planted River Oak Grace Church in Oakdale and was there for 19 years. And from there, he launched into this unbelievable adventure called Evangelism Explosion. And since then, he has been all over the world. Um, he's a director of U.S. and Canada for all that. He's the vice president of that. But he's also just returned from Albania. And so uh, not only welcome him up, but pray that he stays awake for the rest of the service because I think it's about midnight in Albania right now. Anyway, please give a big valley welcome to Dr. Ken Silva. Welcome, brother. <laughs> One more time. Buddy. All right. I love hugging that guy. If you haven't hugged him yet, Rich, would you stand in the back doors after the service? People can hug you. I think it would be a ministry in itself. All right. Well, it's so good to be here. Um, yeah, Albania. Wow. Do you know where Albania is? I didn't know where Albania was. It's, uh, you know, you got the boot of, it, of Italy and then you got the sea there and then Albania and it's bordered by Turkey. And, uh, you know, there are Christians there. Now, uh, 30 years ago, there weren't many. Uh, if they were, they were very silent and quiet. In fact, 30 years ago, there weren't any cars. There were about, they tell me there were about half a dozen cars and they were all owned by the government. And everyone else had horses and bicycles and all that sort of thing, but then they have come up. Now, why was I in Albania? Well, because we have a ministry in Albania. In fact, we have ministry, uh, we have 90 nations that are self-supporting, self-governing. They own EE ministry. They have all the rights to all of our materials. They translate it in their own language. Um, they're indigenous ministries, and that's what we're about. We're equipping the assisting the church to equip the saints to win their world for Christ. That's what we do. And uh, last year we saw 11 million decisions for Christ. Isn't that something? 11 million. And yeah, through these, through these nations that are helping churches equip their people to share their faith. And that's why I'm here, to, uh, to assist and to help equip you to share your faith. We all want to see our friends saved. We all want to see our family members come to know Christ. We don't want to go to heaven without them. We want to depopulate hell and populate heaven. Amen? That's what we want to do. <laughs> so how are we going to do that? We want to do it. We know the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the way that people are transformed. The gospel message. We know that. And we'd like to be able to share the gospel with others. We'd like to be able to make a difference in their lives. 
in the lives of our friends and our family members and our neighbors and our work associates. But we don't step up. So many times we have the opportunity, it's right in front of us, but we don't step up. Why is that? We don't share our faith. We don't share the gospel message with others. We, we fail to engage. Knowing that I'm coming to be part of this engaged conference, with the, that is with the, with the title engaged, I checked out Webster, of course. To be engaged is to be involved in activity, to be occupied, to be busy, to be greatly interested and committed. Are you committed to Jesus Christ? We are committed to him. We're committed to the Great Commission. Engaged means to be involved, especially in, hostile, in, in a hostile encounter. And I thought of that study that was done um, in Korea. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We are called to share our faith, aren't we? We are. And let's look at the call to share our faith first before we go to Korea. Jesus' first command to his disciples. His very first command. Do you remember what it was? He said, follow me and I will make you happy, comfortable, safe. I'll cocoon you. <laughs> no, what did he say? He said, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. That's right. You think that was on his heart? You think that was important to him? The very first thing he says to his disciples as he calls them, I will make you fishers of men. The very last thing he says to his disciples before he's taken up into heaven, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest part of the earth. You shall be my witnesses. So his first command or promise really, and his second command or prom their promises. It's a promise. If you want to share your faith with your neighbors, with your, your, your loved ones, grab hold of this promise. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Grab hold of this promise. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my disciples. Isn't that a great promise? Grab hold of that one. Or how about this? The great commission command. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Christ said. That's a lot of authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And here's the promise. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Promise. Grab hold of that promise. He's with us. And this is what I want you to see tonight or today and tonight as we, as we continue on. In fact, this is part one of our, of our training event this afternoon, all right? So you've already completed part one. You might as well come to part two at six o'clock. But I want, you, I want to mention this, this illustration, this story, what happened in Korea. At the end of the Korean War, there were those, they found that there were, there were so many soldiers that had never engaged the enemy. They had died without ever even firing their weapon. And they did a study to figure out why that happened. Why were so many killed without firing their weapons? Number one, they didn't know their weapons. They didn't know them. They, they, they weren't familiar with their weapons. Secondly, they avoided the enemy. I can understand that. Third, they relied on the big guns, the bombardment from the ships. And fourth, they were paralyzed by fear. Those soldiers had had a mission, but they had failed to engage. They were deployed in the middle of the battle, 
but they died without ever firing their weapon, without ever engaging the enemy and engaging in the battle. And we face the same problem in the church. We've been given a mission. We've been given the greatest mission ever given to mankind. It's called the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. And too many of our soldiers live their entire lives and even die without ever engaging in this commission. And for similar reasons. We don't know our weapons. We don't know our greatest. Our greatest weapon is the gospel. Our greatest weapon against the darkness is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the power of God. That's what changes people's lives. Not our clever arguments and our, and our, and our, and our great um, intellectual capacity. And what we know, what we don't. No, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet many believers are still ignorant of the gospel. A recent study showed that 57% of evangelical Christians could not explain what the gospel is. When asked, what is the gospel? They were not able to define it. Do you know the gospel? Do you understand the great tool that you have, the great weapon that you have against darkness? I want to help you with that tonight. Come and we will, un- we will help you to understand the gospel, to know it well. And then number two, they avoided the enemy. They were intimidated by the lies of the evil one. You know, the world system that denies the existence of God, our own flesh that wants our own way, our own comforts and priorities, and the evil one who plants fears in our minds. They all conspire to keep us from even attempting to liberate the captives. You know a friend, a neighbor, a loved one who's in bondage. They need the freedom that only Christ can bring. But we keep avoiding the issue. We're afraid of the possible conflict or confrontation. We go the other way. And third, we have a tendency to rely on the big guns. We do. We too have that tendency to rely on the big guns. We think, well, Pastor Rich will do it. Pastor Rick will do it. You know, I, I, that's not my job. Can you imagine any armies, you know, sending the, the generals in with the weapons and the troops stay back at the, at the, uh, at the fort or the barracks? No, no, we need to get out there. We need to get and be engaged And then they were paralyzed by fear. And this is really the bottom line for many of us, right? It's just the intimidation factor, afraid of what people might think of us, what they might say, afraid that we won't know what to say, that we'll mess up somehow. And so the result, a percentage much worse than that of the soldiers lost in the Korean War, the percentage is 95% of believers never lead anyone to faith in Jesus Christ. Never multiply, never reproduce, Never lead anyone to faith in Jesus Christ. Why is that? And so I asked this question of, of our church there in, uh, in Oakdale a while back. And here's the results. Here's some of the results, that, that they, or the reasons that they gave. See if you can identify with some of these reasons people don't share their faith. 95% of believers never lead anyone to Jesus. Uh, why do you think that is? Do you know... Uh... People are, that's hard. I'm not sure. I have no idea. I have no clue. You know, fear? Because they're fearful. Probably fear. Fear? Making uh, the other people think that there is some crazy Christian. Sometimes they can be scared of like what other people think. Fear of rejection. 
because they might be afraid that people will make fun of them. Other people making fun of them. You're weird if you believe in God. Being alone, having to stand alone. We are even weirder if you share them. Because they might not know what to say and how to share it. Not familiar with a way to do it. Maybe they're not going to get it right, or maybe they, they don't have all the answers. Or Fear for one thing, apathy for another. A lack of really trying, as hard as they really could. We get complacent in our faith. They're just so busy, wrapped up in day-to-day -day things that they don't make a point of taking the time to do it. They just don't know how, like how to show their faith. And they just don't know how to do it. A little nervous about messing up, you know. Sometimes you feel like you might say the wrong thing. Inadequate information that they wouldn't know how to present it. Because they might not know what to say and how to share it. They just maybe don't feel comfortable on what to say. Uh, not knowing what to say to people and uh, to scare them off. Okay, and so what might make it easier for you to share? If I just was just learned how, like just was taught how to share my faith. That's the answer. We paid him for that answer, actually, you know, but... <laughs> That's the answer, right? And we will. We will teach you. We will share with you what to share. We will equip you this evening. In fact, if you, if you think you just can't remember it, we're going to give you a little gospel track that I wrote. We're going to show you how to share that with a friend. Hey, I have a friend. Me. I'm your friend. I have a friend who wrote this track. See what you think about it. How easy is that, right? We can all do that. We can all have an impact in someone else's life for the gospel. We have, but we have these. We need to overcome these fears. We're afraid people aren't open and they're not interested. You know, I go all over the, the country and all over the Caribbean. That's my whole my my territory and around the world, really. And I find pastors saying, "Well, people aren't interested in our area. They're just not open to the gospel. Uh, they're not interested." I think that anywhere Jesus might set his foot today on planet Earth, he would say the same thing he said two thousand years ago. He say, lift up your eyes and look. In other words, open your eyes and look. The fields are ripe unto harvest. God loves people. He loves everyone. He's always drawing people to himself. He never stops drawing people to himself. He's involved. People are open if we'll just approach them. There was a survey done among unchurched Americans. And the question was asked, if a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind them talking about it. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? 79% of people said they agreed with that statement. They wouldn't mind their friend telling them about their faith if it was important to them. Is your faith important to, your, to you? Your friends don't mind you telling them about it. Or we're afraid they're going to come off as different, as weird, you know? Face it, you are weird. <laughs> you know, we're all weird. Get over it. We're weird because we have the peace of Christ within us. When we go through a trial, when we go through a problem, we have peace. Amen. We're weird because we have someone to trust. We're not falling apart. We, have, we can lean on Jesus. We're weird because we're not getting into people's faces and yelling at them when they disagree with us. We're weird. Face it and live it and walk in that weirdness. <laughs> You know, let just accept it. We're different. We're wonderfully different. We're wonderfully weird. And maybe this is what you're afraid of. You know, I think maybe this is what you're afraid of. Watch this little sh short video. I'm going to go out there 
you're witnessing on my own and I'm gonna be there lunch, you know? I'm gonna get eaten alive. <clears throat> Look, I guarantee you, you'll never be eaten alive, all right? I, I'm still alive, I haven't been eaten, I haven't been, I haven't been stoned, I haven't, you know, people haven't thrown things at me, I haven't been locked up for my faith. No, we don't have to worry about that. You know, if you're concerned that you're gonna, you're gonna cause a conflict or people are gonna get mad or whatever, um, if you're concerned about that, I guarantee you it's not gonna happen to you. <laughs> because you're sensitive, you're concerned, you're gonna share in love, you're not gonna come up to someone, grab them by the lapel, say, are you saved, Brother Turner Burn? You're going to hell. Time is tissue thin, you know? You're not one of those guys, one of those gals, so don't worry about it. And uh, we are always asked permission to share spiritual things. We're always polite and kind and gentle and with the love of Christ. We'll show you how to do that tonight. You don't have to be afraid of that. And besides, you're not supposed to go fishing alone. <laughs> Jesus never told us to go fishing alone. Always take Jesus with you and you'll never have anything to fear. I want to talk about the courage to share. Where does that courage come from? It comes from having Jesus in the boat. Remember the disciples in the midst of the storm and Jesus comes and joins them. He says, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. I want Jesus in my boat, don't you? Absolutely. So never go fishing alone. Always take Jesus with you. You'll have nothing to fear. He never intends us for us to engage in the Great Commission alone. I've been fishing all, you know, many places around the, around the country, and um, I love British Columbia. British Columbia, uh, Campbell River, British Columbia, on the inside of Victoria Island is called the, camp, the salmon capital of the world, right? And uh, so I was there three years in a row. The first two years I went um, and I taught this week-long training seminar. And then uh, at the end I said, Pastor, I'd like to go fishing. He says, great, I have a friend. He'll take you out. Great, caught nothing. The next year, I have another friend. I'll he'll take you. Great, nothing. The, the third year I came up, I said, I want to go fishing. He says, great, I, I have another friend. I said, I don't, I'm not interested in your friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I brought money. I want to go with a professional. And he said, oh, okay. Well, I know uh, the best fisherman in town. And so he hooked us up. And I brought my buddy from, uh, from River Oak with me. And the pastor came along and his little girl just to watch us. And the two of us were fishing. And we fished all morning and we caught nothing. Actually, my partner caught one small salmon, so at least we had dinner. But, but you know, about time to leave, and the guide says, well, let's go one more pass by the lighthouse. It was a beautiful day. The water was like glass, just crystal, you know, it was gorgeous. And so he said, well, let down real deep and see what happens here. So I said to the little girl in the boat, well, you know, we're bored. I'm trying to, you know, make, do something, right? Let's have some kind of fun. So I said, honey, would you do the fish call for us? She goes, huh, what's that? I said, I, I don't know. I'm just making it up, you know? So I said, well, here, let me hold you by the ankles. You put your fingers in the water and you go, here, fishy, fishy, fishy. So I did that, you know, and I dropped her. No, I didn't really. <laughs> and then I said, okay, that's my side, my partner's side of the boat. Now my side of the boat. Here, put your fingers in the water. She goes, here, fishy, 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 you know? And I picked her up and I put her in her seat. And as soon as I put her in her seat, my pole bent in half. Wham! The line starts screaming off the reel, and I pick up the pole and set the hook, and I had a big fish on it, so big that the guide said, wow, that's a huge fish. And he got on the, on the radio, and he called five other fishing guides 
And their, their client says, if you guys want to see a fish cut, says, no one was catching anything. He says, you want to see a big fish? Bring up your lines. Come on over here. And there were five boats watching me. It took a half hour to get this fish in. 42 inches, 40 pounds of Chinook salmon. Wow. What a fish. <laughs> and you go, well, what's the moral of that story? Anybody? What's the moral of that story? No one's saying it. Take a little girl fishing with you. No. <laughs> you knew that wasn't it, right? No, the moral of the story is if you want to catch fish, go fishing with a master. All right? So I'm writing a book, and the title is Fishing with a Master. And I want to share with you uh, this main passage, this, my favorite passage in the world, in the Bible, that is. <laughs> and that is um, Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1 Fishing with a Master. And let me just read it to you. You're familiar with it. Many of you are familiar with it. Maybe not all. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to, to, uh, for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I want to point out a few things from this passage. Number one, when you go fishing with a master, you're with the one who knows all there is to know about fishing. Jesus is the master fisherman. Why would you want to go alone? Go with Jesus. How did he know where all those fish were? He created them, right? Jesus knows where the fish are. He commands the fish. Remember the little fish that went around and swam down by a pier, picked up a coin in its mouth and then grabbed onto Peter's hook. Who told him to do that, right? God did. Who tells the birds to migrate? Who tells the butterflies to migrate? God is in control of the, of the, of the universe, right? He's the master fisherman. He knows where the fish are. I was, I was uh, fishing. <laughs> no, I was. I was uh, witnessing in, British, in um, Toronto, Canada, other side of the, of the country. In Toronto, Canada. And you know, when we train people, we, we teach them in a class, and then we take them out and we show them how it's done. We had pastors come, and, uh, and then we take them out. And so that afternoon, I was assigned um, just a little neighborhood, and I didn't know where to go necessarily. I just said, well, Lord, t- show us where to go. Uh, you know where the fish are. So we drove into this little neighborhood and stopped the car, and there weren't any people walking around. I thought, well, who are we going to talk to? Lord, show us. We got out of the car, walked across the street, and just then, around the corner comes this lady pushing a carriage with a little infant in it, and her husband's 
got a little three-year-old in tow. And uh, so I approached her. Hi, we're from church here in, in Toronto. We're trying to determine people's religious thinking and wondering if you'd help us by answering a few brief questions. And she said, yes, I would like to. And she had a, an accent. I said, well, where are you from? She says, I'm from Hong Kong. And uh, my husband doesn't speak English. Oh, would you explain to him what we're doing? Sure. And uh, I said, so what's your name? My name's Ken. What's your name? My name's Grace. I said, Grace, where'd you get a name like that? She says, oh, I go to Christian school. I went, oh. She said, but I'm not Christian. I went, oh, okay. Now we, we got the ground set here. We know where she stands. Um, so, I, so I start sharing the gospel. I shared five points of the gospel. It's very simple, what I'm going to share with you tonight. And uh, I said, now, Grace, does this make sense to you? She says, oh, yes, very much. I said, would you like to receive this gift of eternal life? Oh, I would want, I definitely, I want to receive this free gift of eternal life. I said, well, great. Well, why don't I lead us in prayer? So I led us in prayer and uh, I said, amen. I looked up there and she's all red, red. I said, Grace, I don't usually ask this question, but it's something just happened to you. She says, oh yes, I'm warm. I hot all over. She went like that. I said, well, Grace, you know, this is an important decision. She goes, oh, most important decision, my life. Grace, from Hong Kong, only there two weeks. I park the car, get out of the car. Around the corner comes Grace. We share Christ with her. God was drawing her to himself. How long had he been drawing her to himself? I don't know. She went to Christian school and never became a Christian. And if I had been there two minutes later, I would have missed her. Right? Right? Jesus knows where the fish are. I tell this to pastors. I say, you know, we go out, we'll, we'll train you, and then we'll go out and we'll show you how it works. He says, oh, that won't work in our community. People aren't open to the gospel. I said, pastor, look, if we pray and we ask God, God, lead us to someone who's open. Do you think he's able to do that? Amen. Do you think maybe he's working in someone's life in this community? <laughs> and God always answers our prayer. There are people everywhere in every community who are open to the gospel. We have to believe it. Lift up your eyes and look. The fields are ripe unto harvest, and so is your field. Your neighbors, your friends, your family members, you may not know it. God's working in their lives. Second thing I want you to learn from this passage is when you go fishing with Jesus, you'll learn to do what he tells you to do. Peter fished all night. Jesus said, now push out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Oh, Lord, we fished all night. But basically he's saying, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Because you say so, I will do it. Because it's coming from Jesus, I will do it. And, uh, and he obeyed. Do you believe that God speaks to us today? John 10.10, 10, the, 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 the devil comes only to kill, steal, and destroy but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. What is abundant life? You look in that passage, and abundant life is defined within the passage. Three times Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Hear my voice and follow me. Hear my voice and follow me. I came that you might have abundant life. What's abundant? You know what abundant life is to me? It's hearing Jesus' voice. It's having the honor, the privilege of knowing he's guiding me and directing me. Is it always a, a, is it an audible voice? A couple times in my life it was audible and kind of scary. But most of the time it's an impression. It's, it's a thought. You go, where'd that thought come from? Well, you might just assume it's from the Lord if it's in the right direction. <laughs> right? 
And if we start listening to him, we start looking for his voice in our lives, for his direction in our lives, he'll direct us to the people who are open. And we get to walk with him every day, just joining Jesus in what he's already doing in the lives of others. We're doing this um, event called Equip America, working with radio stations, local radio stations and communities, and we're bringing pastors together and, uh, and key lay people, and we're training them in the morning, then we're taking them out in the afternoon to show them that God is still working, that God is still drawing people to, to himself, that people are still open to hear the gospel out in the community, and they're amazed by it. But I was teaching in Fort Lauderdale not long ago, one of these conferences, and I had three ladies assigned to me, and, um, and so I was going to take them out and show them. They'd never been out witnessing in their lives. They were scared. We're driving along, and one of them says, you were talking about, about um, divine appointments. How does that work? I said, well, it's all about timing. God arranges the timing. I mean, it's, they're just amazing things that happen. And I, I told them a couple of illustrations in, during the training time, and I said, so, like, we're driving now, and, and, you know, many times we'll be driving somewhere, and there'll be a bunch of traffic, and you think, like, you're, man, we only have an hour and a half for this. We're getting held up. Why are we getting held up? And you'll find out that, that God's just delaying you so that you'll meet the right person at the right time. And just then the drawbridge goes up in front of us. <laughs> they go, whoa, like that? I said, yeah, like that. <laughs> they started getting excited. And then we drove down to the shore where we're supposed to be, found a parking place, and we're walking along the, the sidewalk. And one of the gals says, so how do you know who to approach? I said, well, I don't always know. Sometimes it's an impression. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I just take a chance. But as I looked up, I knew that was the guy we needed to talk to. Long blonde hair, had some, some tattoos, had this big funny floppy hat on, you know. And, uh, and he had just put out a cigarette and stepped on it. I thought, that's, the guy. that's our guy. You know, a lot of people think that smoking will send you to hell. It won't send you to hell. It might make you smell like you've been there, but it won't send you there, right? <clears throat> so don't worry about the smoking. So anyway, so he stomps the cigarette out, you know, and, and I approach him and say, hi, we're just trying to determine people's religious thinking and sustain anyone who might be looking for a faith. Wondered if you'd answer five brief questions. He said, sure, sure. Let, hey, let's sit down here. It was outside a little cafe and had a table with a few chairs. So the five of us sat there. We began sharing with him. He was wide open. He didn't know for sure that he was going to heaven. He wanted to know. He said, I've always wanted to know that. I said, really? Tyler, okay. He was about 20, he's thinking he's 24 years old. And so we go through the gospel. And every point that I go to, he's bringing up a question that, that brings up the next point. The next point, the next point. It's like he read the outline. I mean, this is amazing. God was definitely working in his life. He prays to receive the Lord with us. And then he looks up and he says, I got to tell you guys something. <clears throat> so what's that? It says, on the way to the restaurant here uh, today, um, just a little while ago, I'm walking with my friends, they're inside, um, but I'm walking along and I look down, there's a pack of cigarettes on the, on the sidewalk in front of me. He says, and I gave up smoking about two, three months ago. And uh, I forget what he said, well, it was two or three months ago, but he, he gave up smoking. He said, and so I, I picked up the pack and I went, wow, it's a brand new un, unopened pack. Well, I'll just put it in my pocket. Put it in my pocket, I'm inside ordering, you know, and and I thought, you know, maybe I'll just have one. That won't hurt anything. <laughs> he came out, he says, I had one cigarette. I finished the cigarette, I put it out, and you come up and approach me. If I hadn't had that cigarette, I wouldn't have met you guys. I said, I know. He says, huh? how did those cigarettes get on the sidewalk? <laughs> Little angels dropping cigarettes. <laughs> Can God do that? He does do that, I'm telling you, he does it. 
He arranges these meetings, divine appointments, we call them. And if we'll open our eyes, we'll ask God, use me, help me join you in what you're doing in people's lives to draw them to yourself. He will do it. It's an exciting life, folks. It is. And then, and that was Tyler. And by the way, this is Tyler. There he is right there, floppy hat and all. <laughs> and I'm still in contact with Tyler. We're texting. Uh, he's in, he actually lives in Wisconsin, but happened to be in Florida on vacation. Just happened to be in Florida on vacation. Just happened to be a smoking a cigarette at that moment, right? Hey, when you go fishing with a master, third thing I want you to see, you can expect miraculous results. That was miraculous, wasn't it? Miraculous results. When one person gives their heart to Jesus, it's a miracle. There's no way that happens just from the human flesh or the human spirit. It's God working. Only God leads people to Jesus. Only he opens the mind and opens the heart to receive the gift of his son. And the passage says, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. And so many fish, the boat began to sink. They, they Signal for their partners in the other boat. Both boats are beginning to sink. It was so amazing. Peter's going, this is, this is super. This is, this is super. This is not natural. This is unnatural. This is super. This is, this is supernatural. He goes, oh, Lord, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He realized that he was in the presence of deity. And folks, that's what happens. When someone gives their heart to Jesus or when you start talking to someone about spiritual things and they're open and they're receiving it, you, I get the, the all overs, the tingles. I'm getting it right now just telling you. It's so exciting because you know God is there. You're in the presence of God who's working in their life. It's not me. It's not you. It's the spirit of God speaking to their hearts, using us and giving us a great love for that person that maybe we had never met before. Or maybe we've known them for years, but now all of a sudden there's this, 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 you can feel the love of God flowing through you to that person. I said, sent one of our pastors to Malawi <clears throat> and uh, Malawi, Africa, and we were going to do a training there with the African Bible College. There were 140 students there to be trained. We had 20 trainers from the United States go. My associate pastor was one of those trainers. And they worked with the, with the students every day in the morning and in the afternoon. And in the morning, they took half of them out. They took the other half out in the afternoon. And they showed them how to witness. Took them out on the streets and showed them how. And uh, they were leading 200 to 300 people to the Lord every day. And the professors about half the week through go, no, this can't be, this can't be because we've been training these people, our, our students in, in witnessing for years and we haven't seen anything like this. Uh, let us go see what's, what's happening. So they went and saw what was happening. And so our leader said, well, why don't you show me what you were doing? And so they did. They took one of their students and said, okay, show them what we've been doing. So he grabs this box from behind the, around the corner um, downtown and he put it on, the, on a street corner and he actually stood up on a wooden box and he began witnessing. Jesus is coming. You're all going to hell. You're all sinners. <laughs> you repent or die in your sins. You know, this is what, and no wonder no one's coming to the Lord. <laughs> what a welcoming message, right? Folks, there's a right way to do it and there's a 
bad way to do it. We want to show you the right way. So we showed them the right way. At the end of the week, they were all trained now. All 140 students were trained. And they all went down with the 20 trainers, marched down to, a, to another village they hadn't been out during that week, and um, singing Onward Christian Soldiers. They turned into the village. They turned right into the village. They were supposed to turn left. They went to the wrong village. But anyway, they turned right into the village and people came out and said, hey, what's going on here? What's going on? What, what's happening? We have news for you. Good news for you. What is it? And they all divided up by twos and began sharing the gospel. And my, Matt, my friend Matt said, thought, said, I'm standing there crying thinking, I have to leave tomorrow. It's been so wonderful to train these people to see them sharing their faith. But God, I leave tomorrow. Let me share my faith with one more person. But of course, Matt didn't speak English. But by that time, he realized they were in a Muslim village too. The wrong village. It was a Muslim village. <laughs> and had he known, he wouldn't have gone that way. He would have turned left, right? But they turned right. They are there. And so he's prayed this. And he says about 20 minutes later, I see this guy running down the street at me, wide eyes, running right at me like this, out of breath. He runs up to me. I'm scared. He says, are you the people telling people about Jesus? And man said, I didn't quite know how to answer him. <laughs> I thought I'd better be honest. Yeah, yeah, we're the ones. He says, in perfect language, he says, tell me about, I've been looking for you for three days. Tell me about Jesus. And prayed to receive the gift of eternal life. Isn't that awesome? Now that's a miracle. 1,500 people came to Christ that day and the, and the Muslim chieftain took off his fez, put it on the ground, burned it, and declared to the, to the, to the, uh, the, the town, today, our city is a Christian city. Isn't that awesome? Now that's a miracle. When you go fishing with a master, you can expect miracles. Every person who gives their life to Christ, I'm in the presence of deity. I'm seeing a miracle taking place. And you can experience that also. And in case you think that I'm just one of those evangelists that's always evangelistically speaking, you know, I want to show you the fish. There it is, 40 pounds, 42 inches long. 1,500 people gave their lives, to, except, I, did I say 15? It's 750 on one day, over 1,500 throughout the week gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Folks, this works. God is working in people's lives. He is drawing them to himself all around you. And we just need to be willing to go fishing with Jesus. The fourth thing I want you to see in this passage is when you go fishing with the master, you'll have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. We are, we're afraid that, that we won't have what it takes. I just don't think I have what it takes. I, I'm not sure I can do this on my own. Why do we think we're supposed to do this on our own? Get that out of your head. You're never doing this on your own. We're fishing with a master. God doesn't want us to live in, in fear. He wants to live by faith, to trust him. And Paul said this. He also experienced this, this, these fears. We, it's common. And he said this. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. The gospel is the power of God, folks. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is, is moving out even in the presence of fear. It's doing what you know you should do even in the presence of fear. Let's conquer our fears. Let's move out. 
knowing that I was coming here to Big Valley, just kind of reminiscing on the great times that we had ministering here in those early years together, I thought my first witnessing opportunity I had in, when I moved to Modesto. <clears throat> We'd moved in, I'm a new pastor um, uh, at Big Valley Grace Community Church, and um, I'm pastor of evangelism and church growth. Now there's a title, <laughs> right? And so I thought, okay, I gotta start witnessing now. So um, there was a guy across the street. They had children about the same age as our children. I thought, well, you should get to know them. Now, now when we came to Modesto, the church gave us a pounding. I don't know if your church pounds pastors anymore, but they pounded us. They brought us a pound of sugar. Someone brought us a pound of butter. Someone brought us a pound of flour, you know, that sort of thing. They called it a pounding back then. And uh, they brought us some pies. And so we had a few pies on our counter as well. So I grabbed a pie and I said, honey, I'm going to go across the street and, uh, and uh, give a pie away. So I took the pie across the street and knocked on the door. I said, hi, I'm uh, your new neighbor across the street and thought I'd welcome myself to the community. Here, here, have a pie. <laughs> you know? And the guy was as big as Pastor Rich. And, uh, you know, big guy, towering over him. Plus he's up on two steps, you know. And so he goes, oh, that's great. You know, he takes a pie and he puts it inside and he comes out and he goes, so what do you do? What, do you, what brought you to Modesto? What do you do? I, I didn't want to blow my cover, you know. No pastor wants to blow their cover, right? And so I said, well, I'm a, pa- I'm a men, I'm a rev, I'm a, well, okay, all right. Well, I'm a pastor. He says, oh, <laughs> you're gonna get me saved? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> See, I knew that was gonna blow it. And so uh, we started talking about other things. I, I don't know how to respond. I said, oh, I'm going to try or something like that. I don't know what I said. But we changed the subject and found out that he was a fisherman. And the trout season was opening. And so he said, oh, I'm going to go check out a, a stream in Calaveras uh, next Saturday. You want to come with me? I said, well, sure. And so all week long, I'm going, okay, I've got to witness this guy. I've got I to gotta share Christ with this guy, you know. And I was worried about it. I was concerned. And then I said, well, you know, okay, Lord, if you give me an opportunity, okay. But if you don't, I, I guess that's okay too, whatever. So we go up, no opportunity on the way up. Coming back, no opportunity. But then all of a sudden, he says this. He's driving along, and he says to me, so tell me, how does a physical therapist become a preacher anyway? And so I gave my testimony. I started to. Well, you know, my best friend was killed in Vietnam when I was in college. He goes, Vietnam? That's all the testimony I got out. He said, Vietnam? He says, when I was in Vietnam, I had buddies being killed on my right and my left. I was pinned down in a foxhole. And I said to God, God, get me out of this this, uh, foxhole and I'll do anything you want me to do. But I don't know what he wants me to do. Is that an opening? You tell me. Coach me. (laughs) that's the kind of opening we're looking for but you know if you're not prayed up and you're not prepared you won't take advantage of that opening but I was prayed up and I was prepared and I said well Bob I know what God wants you to do he says you do yeah he wants you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt before your head hits the pillow tonight that you're on your way to heaven I said Bob could I ask you a question he said sure Bob, have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for sure if you die today, you're going to heaven? He said, I didn't know anyone could know that. Bob, I know that. My wife knows that. Millions of people know that. Could I share with you what the Bible teaches? He said, yeah, just a minute. And he pulls off the road out into a mowed field, you know, about 100 acres mowed grass around us. And, um, and he gets out. He says, let's get out. He leans across the hood. He says, okay, let's do it. Let's do it? <laughs> Okay, (laughs) so I shared five points of the gospel that we're going to be going over tonight so you understand them, and uh, we're going to go through these five points. I shared the five points. I said, would you like to receive this free gift of eternal life? He said, absolutely. He prays to receive the Lord of 
receive the Lord and receive the gift of eternal life. And he still pulls me up next to his side. I come up to about his armpit. And he pulls me up next to his side. He says, yeah, this is my Portuguese pastor. He led me to the Lord in the pasture. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? God was working in Bob's life all ever since Vietnam. Do you know God speaks to people all their lives? You look back in your life. God speaks to them when they're little kids, you know, growing up, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, and we never forget. And he puts it all together, and he's just drawing us to himself. He's basically dating us until we're willing to say, I do. <laughs> That's what's happening. And so Bob said, I do. He loves the Lord. He and his wife and kids love the Lord. One more point. It'll change your life. You go fishing with the master, it's going to change your life. I guarantee it. It changed my life. I was in Long Beach State University, became a Christian. They put a four spiritual laws booklet in my life. I said, go share it with that guy under the tree. I didn't even know. He said, well, you read it first. Okay, I read it. Oh, yeah, I understand that. Great, go share it with that guy under the tree. I read it to the guy under the tree. Have you ever heard this? No, I haven't. Well, let me read it to you. Okay. Would you like to make that wonderful discovery of receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? He said, yeah, I would. I said, you would? <laughs> I was hooked, folks. I'm this is fantastic. God shows up and it changed my life. I was uh, sharing um, just about a year ago now um, with YWAM and uh, I was asked to be one of the speakers for a seven week training session. I was on week six. They asked me to come and, and share. It was, a, it, was a, it was a course on apologetics and they've been learning apologetics and going out three days, three days a week and sharing apologetically with people on the, on the on the, uh, on the street and not seeing many people come to Christ. I mean, they could, they could argue about the existence of God and that, that Jesus was the only way and that hell was real, that heaven was real, all these things. But it's the gospel that's the power of God to salvation. Not our great arguments, right? So I'm get a week to train them how to share their faith. That was great. They were going, wow, this is what we needed. So there's one the girl, I'm gonna introduce you to her in just a moment. Her name's Brittany. And Brittany, in one of my classes, she goes, oh, Pastor, you mean, you mean that's it? You mean you just have to trust Christ? I said, well, yeah. You mean just not trust yourself to get into heaven, but just transfer yourself, your trust from yourself to Jesus alone? I said, yeah, alone, Jesus alone. She goes, oh my gosh, where have I been? <laughs> and the whole class is going, whoa, like this. And she got so excited, everyone's kind of giggling and laughing, but it was a real decision for her. She finally came to the understanding, and her name's Brittany, and we went out witnessing either that afternoon or the next afternoon, but here's what happened to Brittany, her first chance witnessing. So what just happened? <laughs> um, I led someone to the Lord. For, well, I didn't, but God through me led someone to the Lord for the first time. <laughs> first time in your life? For the first time in my life, yeah. And you've been a Christian how long? My whole life. <laughs> and how come you were able to do that today? Because I have the tools to do it and because I finally understood it for myself. Fantastic. So, so how do you feel? I, I feel just full of joy <laughs> and like happy for that girl. And yeah, I just feel untouchable right now. And what's her name? How can we pray for her? Uh, her her name? name's Natasha, Natasha. and um, she grew up in a Catholic household. So I guess just pray that uh, gets- That she'll prayer. understand. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That she'll know. That she'll, she'll fully understand. understand. There yeah, you go. No. All right. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> she was so excited. There's such joy in being used by the Lord and joining him what he's doing in our lives. It's the greatest invitation we've ever received. 
we've ever been given. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know, I grew up in Lake Tahoe and, and I'd go down to the lake early in the morning. I'd sit on the pier and I'm fishing for little trout that are swimming by and so on. And I see the, the old guys, you know, they get their boat ready. They get their poles and everything. They go out in their boat, putting out, you know. And they're out there fishing and they're catching big lake trout. And they come in with these big Mackinac lake trout. You know, I'm just, oh, I'm going, oh, if I, someone would just invite me to go. And I daydream about maybe one of these guys, one of these mornings would invite me to go with them. And you know, I was never invited. Isn't that sad? Just go, oh. <laughs> I even thought, you know, when I get old, I'm going to invite little kids to go with me. You can't really do that anymore. But anyway, it's going to be careful. But, um, <laughs> sorry. But, uh, but then, you know, I went to college and I found Christ as my savior and someone gave me a tool and gave me a fishing pole and showed me how to use that little gospel track. And then I heard Jesus speak into my voice, into my heart. He said, follow me, follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. The greatest invitation I've ever received. The greatest invitation you will ever receive. It's the great commission of Jesus Christ and he wants us to engage. Will you do it? Come out this evening and we'll show you how to do it. Let's pray together. Oh, here's the prayer I want you to pray. How many of you believe that if a person sincerely prayed and said, God, if it takes one year, teach me how to, how to share my faith. And, and Lord, lead me to someone who's open, not someone who's hard, but someone who's open. And Lord, within this year, give me one soul. How many believe that if you prayed one year, one person, Lord, give me one soul, that God would answer that prayer? You think God would answer that prayer? Of course he would, right? And so the question is, will you pray that prayer? Will you ask God, God, if it takes a whole year, lead me to one person who's open, give me one soul. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of knowing Christ. Lord, if there are any here who don't know Christ as their personal Savior, they don't know for sure they died today, they'd be on their way to heaven. I pray, Lord, that they would speak to a friend today, that they would make that decision. They would receive you as their personal Savior. They would transfer their trust from themselves to you alone. And we depend on you uh, for eternal life. And then, Father, for my brothers and sisters, God, would you just continue to call us and draw us to yourself? Help us to learn what it is to walk closely with you and to hear your voice and to engage. Lord, help us to engage in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For your sake, we pray. Amen.